2. About Walter Raleigh, what is said about the Indians, what name did Queen Elizabeth give to the country, what did she do for Walter Raleigh, what did Sir Walter then do, what American plants did the emigrants send him, what did he do with those plants, what happened to the Virginia settlement, what is said of the last days of Sir Walter Raleigh, did Sir Walter's attempt to settle Virginia do any good, Captain John Smith 1579-1631, 37. New and successful attempt to make a settlement in Virginia, Captain John Smith, one of the leaders in the new expedition sent out to make a settlement in Virginia, while Raleigh was in prison, was Captain John Smith, he began life as a clerk in England, not liking his work, he ran away and turned soldier, after many strange adventures, he was captured by the Turks and sold as a slave, his master, who was a Turk riveted a heavy iron collar around his neck and set him to thrashing grain with a big wooden bat like a ball club. One day the Turk rode up and struck his slave with his riding whip. This was more than Smith could bear, he rushed at his master, and with one blow of his bat knocked his brains out. He then mounted the dead man's horse and escaped. After a time he got back to England, but as England seemed a little dull to Captain Smith, he resolved to join some emigrants who were going to Virginia. 38. What happened to Captain Smith on the voyage, the landing at Jamestown, what the settlers wanted to do, Smith's plan. On the way to America, Smith was accused of plotting to murder the chief men among the settlers so that he might make himself king of Virginia. The accusation was false, but he was put in irons and kept a prisoner for the rest of the voyage. In the spring of 1607 the emigrants reached Chesapeake Bay and sailed up a river which they named the James in honor of King James of England, when they landed they named the settlement Jamestown for the same reason, here they built a log fort, and placed three or four small cannon on its walls, most of the men who settled Jamestown came hoping to find mines of gold in Virginia, or else a way through to the Pacific Ocean and to the Indies, which they thought could not be very far away, but Captain Smith wanted to help his countrymen to make homes here for themselves and their children, 39. Smith's trial and what came of it, how the settlers lived, the first English church, sickness, attempted desertion. As soon as Captain Smith landed, he demanded to be tried by a jury of twelve men. The trial took place. It was the first English court and the first English jury that ever sat in America. The captain proved his innocence and was set free. His chief accuser was condemned to pay him a large sum of money for damages. Smith generously gave this money to help the settlement. As the weather was warm, the emigrants did not begin building log cabins at once, but slept on the ground, sheltered by boughs of trees. For a church they had an old tent, in which they met on Sunday. They were all members of the Church of England, or the Episcopal Church, and that tent was the first place of worship that we know of which was opened by Englishmen in America. When the hot weather came, many fell sick. Soon the whole settlement was like a hospital. Sometimes three or four would die in one night. Captain Smith though not well himself, did everything he could for those who needed his help, when the sickness was over, some of the settlers were so discontented that they determined to seize the only vessel there was at Jamestown and go back to England, Captain Smith turned the cannon of the fort against them, the deserters saw that if they tried to leave the harbor he would knock their vessel to pieces, so they came back, one of the leaders of these men was tried and shot, the other was sent to England in disgrace, footnote 2, jury, a number of men, generally 12, selected according to a law to try a case in a court of law, in criminal cases they declare the person accused to be either guilty or not guilty. 40. The Indians of Virginia, 
When the Indians of America first met the white men, they were very friendly to them, but this did not last long, because often the whites treated the Indians very badly, in fact, the Spaniards made slaves of them and whipped many of them to death, but these were the Indians of the South, some of the northern tribes were terribly fierce and a match for the Spaniards in cruelty, the Indians at the East did not build cities, but lived in small villages, these villages were made up of huts, covered with the bark of trees, such huts were called wigwams, the women did nearly all the work, such as building the wigwams and hoeing corn and tobacco, the men hunted and made war, instead of guns the Indians had bows and arrows, with these they could bring down a deer or a squirrel quite as well as a white man could now with a rifle, they had no iron, but made hatchets and knives out of sharp, flat stones, they never built roads, for they had no wagons, and at the east they did not use horses, but they could find their way with ease through the thickest forest, when they came to a river they swam across it, so they had no need of bridges, for boats they made canoes of birch bark, these canoes were almost as light as paper, yet they were very strong and handsome, and they floated on the river like a yellow leaf in autumn, like a yellow water lily, in them they could go hundreds of miles quickly and silently, so every river and stream became a roadway to the Indian. 41. Captain Smith goes in search of the Pacific, he is captured by Indians. After that first long, hot summer was over, some of the settlers wished to explore the country and see if they could not find a short way through to the Pacific Ocean. Captain Smith led the expedition, the Indians attacked them, killed three of the men, and took the captain prisoner, to amuse the Indians, Smith showed them his pocket compass, when the savages saw that the needle always plunged toward the north they were greatly astonished, and instead of killing their prisoner they decided to take him to their chief, this chief was named Powhatan, he was a tall, grim looking old man, and he hated the settlers at Jamestown because he believed that they had come to steal the land from the Indians. Her marriage to John Rolfe. Smith was dragged into the chief's wigwam, his head was laid on a large, flat stone, and a tall savage with a big club stood ready to dash out his brains. Just as Powhatan was about to cry, strike, his daughter Pocahontas, a girl of twelve or thirteen, ran up, and, putting her arms round the prisoner's head, she laid her own head on his now let the Indian with his uplifted club strike if he dare. Instead of being angry with his daughter, Powhatan promised her that he would spare Smith's life. When an Indian made such a promise as that he kept it, so the captain knew that his head was safe. Powhatan released his prisoner and soon sent him back to Jamestown, and Pocahontas, followed by a number of Indians, carried to the settlers' presence of corn and venison. Some years after this the Indian maiden married John Rolfe an Englishman who had come to Virginia, they went to London, and Pocahontas died not far from that city, she left a son, from that son came some noted Virginians, one of them was John Randolph, he was a famous man in his day, and he always spoke with pride of the Indian princess, as he called her, 43, Captain Smith is made governor of Jamestown, the gold diggers, corn, or your life, more emigrants came over from England, and Captain Smith was now made governor of Jamestown. Some of the emigrants found some glittering earth which they thought was gold. Soon nearly everyone was hard at work digging it. Smith laughed at them, but they insisted on loading a ship with the worthless stuff and sending it to London. That was the last that was heard of it. The people had wasted their time digging this shining dirt when they should have been hoeing their gardens. Soon they began to be in great want of food. The captain started off with a party of men to buy corn of the Indians. 
The Indians contrived a cunning plot to kill the whole party. Smith luckily found it out, seizing the chief by the hair. He pressed the muzzle of a pistol against his heart and gave him his choice. Corn, or your life. He got the corn, and plenty of it. 44. He who will not work shall not eat. Captain Smith then set part of the men to planting corn, so that they might raise what they needed. The rest of the settlers he took with him into the woods to chop down trees and saw them into boards to send to England. Many tried to escape from this labor, but Smith said, Men who are able to dig for gold are able to chop. Then he made this rule, He who will not work shall not eat, rather than lose his dinner. The laziest man now took his axe and set off for the woods. 45. Captain Smith's Cold Water Cure. But though the choppers worked, they grumbled. They liked to see the chips fly and to hear the great trees thunder as they fell. But the axe handles raised blisters on their fingers. These blisters made the men swear, so that often one would hear an oath for every stroke of the axe. Smith said the swearing must be stopped. He had each man's oath set down in a book. When the day's work was done, every offender was called up, his oaths were counted, then he was told to hold up his right hand, and a can of cold water was poured down his sleeve for each oath. This new style of water cure did wonders, in a short time not an oath was heard, it was just chop, chop, chop and the matter the men got, the more the chips would fly. 46. Captain Smith meets with an accident and goes back to England, his return to America, his death. Captain Smith had not been governor very long when he met with a terrible accident. He was out in a boat, and a bag of gunpowder he had with him exploded. He was so badly hurt that he had to go back to England to get proper treatment for his wounds. He returned to America a number of years later, explored the coast north of Virginia and gave it the name of New England, but he never went back to Jamestown again. He died in London, and was buried in a famous old church in that city. 47. What Captain Smith did for Virginia. Captain John Smith was in Virginia less than three years, yet in that short time he did a great deal. First, he saved the settlers from starving, by making the Indians sell them corn. Next, by his courage, he saved them from the attacks of the savages. Lastly, he taught them how to work. Had it not been for him the people of Jamestown would probably have lost all heart and gone back to England. He insisted on their staying, and so, through him, the English got their first real foothold in America. But this was not all, he wrote two books on Virginia, describing the soil, the trees, the animals, and the Indians. He also made some excellent maps of Virginia and of New England. These books and maps taught the English people many things about this country, and helped those who wished to emigrate. For these reasons Captain Smith has rightfully been called the father of Virginia. 48. Negro slaves sent to Virginia, tobacco. About ten years after Captain Smith left Jamestown, the commander of a Dutch ship brought a number of Negro slaves to Virginia 1619, and sold them to the settlers. That was the beginning of slavery in this country. Later, when other English settlements had been made, they bought slaves, and so, after a time, every settlement north as well as south owned more or less Negroes. The people of Virginia employed most of their slaves in raising tobacco. They sold this in England, and, as it generally brought a good price, many of the planters became quite rich. Footnote 9, Planter, a person who owns a plantation or a large farm at the south, it is cultivated by laborers living on it. Once these laborers were generally Negro slaves. 49. Bacon's war against Governor Berkeley, Jamestown burned, long after Captain Smith was in his grave. 
Sir William Berkeley was made governor of Virginia by the King of England. He treated the people very badly. At last a young planter named Bacon raised a small army and marched against the governor, who was in Jamestown. The governor, finding that he had few friends to fight for him, made haste to get out of the place. Bacon then entered it with his men, but as he knew that, if necessary, the king would send soldiers from England to aid the governor in getting it back, he set fire to the place and burned it. It was never built up again, and so only a crumbling church tower and a few gravestones can now be seen where Jamestown once stood. Those ruins mark the first English town settled in America. 50. What happened later in Virginia, the Revolution, Washington, for presidents. But though Jamestown was destroyed, Virginia kept growing in strength and wealth. What was better still, the country grew in the number of its great men. The King of England continued to rule America until, in 1776, the people of Virginia demanded that independence should be declared. The Great War of the Revolution overthrew the King's power and made us free. The military leader of that war was a Virginia planter named George Washington. After we had gained the victory and peace was made, we chose presidents to govern the country. Four out of six of our first presidents, beginning with Washington, came from Virginia. For this reason that state has sometimes been called the mother of presidents. 51. Summary. In 1607 Captain John Smith, with others, made the first lasting settlement built up by Englishmen in America. Through Captain Smith's energy and courage, Jamestown, Virginia, took firm root. Virginia was the first state to demand the independence of America, and Washington, who was a Virginian, led the war of the revolution by which that independence was gained. What can you tell about Captain John Smith before he went to Virginia? What happened to him on his way to Virginia? What is said about the landing of the settlers in Virginia? What did they want to do? What did Captain Smith want to do? What about Captain Smith's trial? What is said about the church in Jamestown? What happened to the settlers? What did some of them try to do? Who stopped them? Tell what you can about the Indians. What kind of houses did they live in? Did they have guns? Did they have iron hatchets and knives? Did they have horses and wagons? What kind of boats did they have? What happened to Captain Smith when he went in search of the Pacific? What did Pocahontas do? What is said about her afterward? What about the gold diggers? How did Captain Smith get corn? What did he make the settlers do? What is said about Captain Smith's cold water cure? Why did Captain Smith go back to England? What three things did he do for Virginia? What about his books and maps? What is said of Negro slaves? What about tobacco? What about Governor Berkeley and Mr. Bacon? What happened to Jamestown? What did the War of the Revolution do? Who was its great military leader? Why is Virginia sometimes called the mother of presidents? Captain Henry Hudson voyages from 1607 to 1611. 52. Captain Hudson tries to find a northwest passage to China and the Indies. When Captain John Smith sailed for Virginia, he left a friend, named Henry Hudson, in London, who had the name of being one of the best sea captains in England. While Smith was in Jamestown, a company of London merchants sent out Captain Hudson to try to discover a passage to China and the Indies. When he left England, he sailed to the northwest, hoping that he could find a way open to the Pacific across the North Pole or not far below it. If he found such a passage, he knew that it would be much shorter than a voyage round the globe further south, because, as anyone can see, it is not nearly so far round the top of an apple, near the stem as it is round the middle. Hudson could not find the passage he was looking for, but he saw mountains of ice, 
and he went nearer to the North Pole than anyone had ever done before. 53. The Dutch hire Captain Hudson, he sails for America. The Dutch people in Holland had heard of Hudson's voyage, and a company of merchants of that country hired the brave sailor to see if he could find a passage to Asia by sailing to the northeast. He set out from the port of Amsterdam, in 1609, in a vessel named the Half Moon. After he had gone quite a long distance, the sailors got so tired of seeing nothing but fog and ice that they refused to go any further. Then Captain Hudson turned his ship about and sailed for the coast of North America. He did that because his friend, Captain Smith of Virginia, had sent him a letter, with a map, which made him think that he could find such a passage as he wanted north of Chesapeake Bay. 54. Captain Hudson reaches America and finds the Great River. Hudson got to Chesapeake Bay, but the weather was so stormy that he thought it would not be safe to enter it. He therefore sailed northward along the coast. In September, 1609, he entered a beautiful bay, formed by the spreading out of a noble river. At that point the stream is more than a mile wide, and he called it the Great River. On the eastern side of it, not far from its mouth, there is a long narrow island, the Indians of that day called it Manhattan Island. 55. The tides in the Great River, Captain Hudson begins to sail up the stream. One of the remarkable things about the river which Hudson had discovered is that it has hardly any current, and the tide from the ocean moves up for more than 150 miles. If no fresh water ran in from the hills, Still the sea would fill the channel for a long distance, and so make a kind of salt water river of it. Hudson noticed how salt it was, and that, perhaps, made him think that he had at last actually found a passage which would lead him through from the Atlantic to the Pacific. He was delighted with all he saw, and said, This is as beautiful a land as one can tread upon. Soon he began to sail up the stream, wondering what he should see and whether he should come out on an ocean which would take him to Asia. 56. Hudson's voyage on the Great River, his feast with the Indians. At first he drifted along, carried by the tide, under the shadow of a great natural wall of rock. That wall, which we now call the Palisades, is from 400 to 600 feet high, it extends for nearly 20 miles along the western shore of the river. Then, some distance further up, Captain Hudson came to a place where the river breaks through great forest-covered hills, called the Highlands. At the end of the fifth day he came to a point on the eastern bank above the highlands, where the city of Hudson now stands. Here an old Indian chief invited him to go ashore. Hudson had found the Indians, as he says, very loving, so he thought he would accept the invitation. The savages made a great feast for the captain. They gave him not only roast pigeons, but also a roast dog, which they cooked specially for him. They wanted he should have the very best. These Indians had never seen a white man before. They thought that the English captain, in his bright scarlet coat trimmed with gold lace, had come down from the sky to visit them. What puzzled them, however, was that he had such a pale face instead of having a red one like themselves. At the end of the feast Hudson rose to go, but the Indians begged him to stay all night. Then one of them got up, gathered all the arrows, broke them to pieces, and threw them into the fire in order to show the captain that he need not be afraid to stop with them. Footnote 2, Palisades, this name is given to the wall of rock on the Hudson, because, when seen nearby, it somewhat resembles a palisade, or high fence made of stakes or posts set close together, upright in the ground. 57. Captain Hudson reaches the end of his voyage and turns back, trouble with the Indians, but Captain Hudson made up his mind that he must now go on with his voyage. 
he went back to his ship and kept on up the river until he had reached a point about a hundred and fifty miles from its mouth. Here the city of Albany now stands. He found that the water was growing shallow, and he feared that if the half-moon went further she would get aground. It was clear to him, too, that wherever the river might lead, he was not likely to find it a short road to China. On the way downstream a thievish Indian, who had come out in a canoe, managed to steal something from the ship. One of the crew chanced to see the Indian as he was slyly slipping off, and picking up a gun he fired and killed him. After that Hudson's men had several fights with the Indians. 58. Hudson returns to Europe, the Great River is called by his name, his death. Early in October the captain set sail for Europe. Ever since that time the beautiful river which he explored has been called the Hudson in his honor. The next year Captain Hudson made another voyage, and entered that immense bay in the northern part of America which we now know as Hudson Bay. There he got into trouble with his men. Some of them seized him and set him adrift with a few others in an open boat. Nothing more was ever heard of the brave English sailor. The bay which bears his name is probably his grave. 59. The Dutch take possession of the land on the Hudson and call it New Netherland. How New Netherland became New York. As soon as the Dutch in Holland heard that Captain Hudson had found a country where the Indians had plenty of rich furs to sell, they sent out people to trade with them. Holland is sometimes called the Netherlands, that island the lowlands. When the Dutch took possession of the country on the Hudson 1614, they gave it the name of New Netherland, for the same reason that the English called one part of their possessions in America New England. In the course of a few years the Dutch built 1615 a fort and some log cabins on the lower end of Manhattan Island. After a time they named this little settlement New Amsterdam, in remembrance of the port of Amsterdam in Holland from which Hudson sailed. After the Dutch had held the country of New Netherland about 50 years, the English 1664 seized it. They changed its name to New York, in honor of the Duke of York, who was brother to the king. The English also changed the name of New Amsterdam to that of New York City. 60. The New York, Sons of Liberty, in the Revolution, what Henry Hudson would say of the city now. More than a hundred years after this the young men of New York, the Sons of Liberty, as they called themselves, made ready with the Sons of Liberty in other states to do their full part, under the lead of General Washington, in the Great War of the Revolution, that war by which we gained our freedom from the rule of the King of England, and became the United States of America. The silent harbor where Henry Hudson saw a few Indian canoes is now one of the busiest seaports in the world. The great Statue of Liberty stands at its entrance. To it a fleet of ships and steamers is constantly coming from all parts of the globe, from it another fleet is constantly going. If Captain Hudson could see the river which bears his name, and Manhattan Island now covered with miles of buildings which make the largest and wealthiest city in America, he would say, there is no need of my looking any further for the riches of China and the Indies, for I have found them here. 61. Summary. In 1609 Henry Hudson, an English sea captain, then in the employ of the Dutch, discovered the river now called by his name. The Dutch took possession of the country on the river, named it New Netherland, and built a small settlement on Manhattan Island. Many years later the English seized the country and named it New York. The settlement on Manhattan Island then became New York City. It is now the largest and wealthiest city in the United States. Who was Henry Hudson? What did he try to find? What did the Dutch hire him to do? Where did he go? What did he call the river he discovered? What is said about that river? Tell what you can of Hudson's voyage up the river. What is said about the Indians? Why did Hudson turn back? What did he do then? 
What is the river he discovered called now? What happened to Captain Hudson the next year? What did the Dutch do? What did they name the country? Why? What did they build there on Manhattan Island? Who seized New Netherland? What name did they give it? What is said of the Sons of Liberty? What would Hudson say if he could see New York City now? Captain M. Wiley Standish 1584-1656-62 The English pilgrims in Holland, why they left England. When the news of Henry Hudson's discovery of the Hudson River reached Holland, many Englishmen were living in the Dutch city of Leiden. These people were mostly farmers who had fled from Scrooby and neighboring villages in the northeast of England. They called themselves pilgrims, because they were wanderers from their old homes. The pilgrims left England because King James would not let them hold their religious meetings in peace. He thought, as all kings then did, that everybody in England should belong to the same church and worship God in the same way that he did. He was afraid that if people were allowed to go to whatever church they thought best that it would lead to disputes and quarrels, which would end by breaking his kingdom to pieces. Quite a number of Englishmen, seeing that they could not have religious liberty at home, escaped with their wives and children to Holland, for there the Dutch were willing to let them have such a church as they wanted. Footnote 4, there were some people in England who thought much as the pilgrims did in regard to a religion, but who did not then leave the Church of England as the pilgrims did. They were called Puritans because they insisted on making certain changes in the English mode of worship, or, as they said, they wished to purify it. Many Puritans came to New England with Governor Winthrop in 1630, after they settled in America they established independent churches like the Pilgrims. 63. Why the Pilgrims wished to leave Holland and go to America, but the Pilgrims were not contented in Holland. They saw that if they stayed in that country their children would grow up to be more Dutch than English. They saw, too, that they could not hope to get land in Holland. They resolved therefore to go to America, where they could get farms for nothing and where their children would never forget the English language or the good old English customs and laws. In the wilderness they would not only enjoy entire religious freedom, but they could build up a settlement which would be certainly their own. 64. The Pilgrims, with Captain Miles Standish, sail for England and then for America, they reach Cape Cod, and choose a governor there. In 1620 a company of Pilgrims sailed for England on their way to America. Captain Miles Standish, an English soldier who had fought in Holland, joined them. He did not belong to the Pilgrim Church, but he had become a great friend to those who did. About a hundred of these people sailed from Plymouth, England, for the New World, in the ship Mayflower. Many of those who went were children and young people. The Pilgrims had a long, rough passage across the Atlantic. Toward the last of November 1620 they saw land. It was Cape Cod, that narrow strip of sand, more than 60 miles long which looks like an arm bent at the elbow, with a hand like a half-shut fist, finding that it would be difficult to go further. The pilgrims decided to land and explore the Cape, so the Mayflower entered Cape Cod Harbor, inside the half-shut fist, and then came to anchor. Before they landed, the pilgrims held a meeting in the cabin, and drew up an agreement in writing for the government of the settlement. They signed the agreement, and then chose John Carver for governor. 65. Washing Day what Standish and his men found on the Cape. On the first Monday after they had reached the Cape, all the women went on shore to wash, and so Monday has been kept as washing day in New England ever since. Shortly after that, Captain Miles Standish, with a number of men, started off to see the country. They found some Indian corn buried in the sand, and a little further on a young man named William Bradford, who afterward became governor. 
stepped into an Indian deer trap. It jerked him up by the leg in a way that must have made even the pilgrim smile. 66. Captain Standish and his men set sail in a boat for a blue hill in the west, and find Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Harbor, landing from the Mayflower. On clear days the people on board the Mayflower, anchored in Cape Cod Harbor, could see a blue hill, on the mainland, in the west, about 40 miles away. To that blue hill Standish and some others determined to go, taking a sailboat. They started off. A few days later they passed the hill which the Indians called Manomet, and entered a fine harbor. There, on December 21, 1620, the shortest day in the year, they landed on that famous stone which is now known all over the world as Plymouth Rock. Standish, with the others, went back to the Mayflower with a good report. They had found just what they wanted, an excellent harbor where ships from England could come in, a brook of nice drinking water, and last of all, a piece of land that was nearly free from trees, so that nothing would hinder their planting corn early in the spring. Captain John Smith of Virginia had been there before them, and had named the place Plymouth on his map of New England. The pilgrims liked the name, and so made up their minds to keep it. The Mayflower soon sailed for Plymouth, and the pilgrims set to work to build the log cabins of their little settlement. 67. Sickness and Death During that winter nearly half the pilgrims died. Captain Standish showed himself to be as good a nurse as he was a soldier. He, with Governor Carver and their minister, Elder Brewster, cooked, washed, waited on the sick, and did everything that kind hearts and willing hands could to help their suffering friends. But the men who had begun to build houses had to stop that work to dig graves. When these graves were filled, they were smoothed down flat so that no prowling Indians should count them and see how few white men there were left. 68. Samoset. Squanto and Massasoit visit the pilgrims. One day in the spring the pilgrims were startled at seeing an Indian walk boldly into their little settlement. He cried out in good English, Welcome, welcome. This visitor was named Samoset, he had met some sailors years before, and had learned a few English words from them. The next time Samoset came he brought with him another Indian, whose name was Squanto. Squanto was the only one left of the tribe that had once lived at Peak.